Hello and welcome to the Driven by Diversity podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Steph. And every week we shine the spotlight on underrepresented groups in the world of racing. Our guests share their journey into the sport and also delve into what diversity and inclusion means to them. We hope that we can provide you with real role models who you can relate to and who represent you. And more than that, that you'll feel inspired and encouraged to know that you can make it in motorsport, no matter your background. Our guest today has overcome physical and mental adversity from the day he was born with cerebral palsy, with doctors telling his family he would never walk. But with a strong positive mindset, he explains how he overcame these challenges. He shares with us his route into the British Touring Car Championship as he gears up for the 2020 season with a new team in Team Hard and talks about the intense pressure of being the brother of one of the most famous names in the history of motorsport. Today, we are bringing you the incredibly inspiring story of Nick Hamilton. I guess to kick off, let's start by talking about where you are in your racing career now. Could you tell us a bit more about what you're up to at the moment? Yeah, so I'm just about to embark on my second season, second full season of British Touring Cars. So initially, I actually went into touring cars in 2015. Um, I created history by being the first uh, disabled athlete in the series. At the time, I didn't really have the, the funding to continue throughout the year. So I only did four, four race weekends. And then, yeah, after then, I was pretty lost in where I was going to go and my direction. Um, and obviously, I always wanted to get back into touring cars. Um, so I went back to, to Clear Cup for, for half a year in 2017, then I did a full season in 2018. And my target was always to get back to, to British touring cars and do it properly. And 19, 2019, I was lucky enough, uh, or I wasn't lucky, I created it myself, but um, greater in luck, but I... I yeah, got a full, a full season under my belt in, in British Touring Cars with uh, motor-based performance and in 219 until I didn't finish the last two rounds due to some sponsorship issues that I, that I encountered. So I'm now going into my second, hopefully, full season. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a full season, uh, but obviously it's been affected by COVID, like a lot of things. So when it does get going, it will be a nine-race uh, championship or nine weekend championship and it's pretty condensed so august the first is our first race at donington park and then we've got four races in in august alone and now i'm with team hard so uh team hard is a a new team for me a new car for me uh, a new experience but the perfect place for me to develop my craft as a driver although i've sort of been in motorsport now um since my first season in 2011 i've been in and out of it for so long so i'm still relatively inexperienced in comparison to, to my competitors. And so, yeah, I mean, developing with, with Team Hard is, is my plan for, for this year and hopefully for years to come. I see them as a team with a lot of potential, a lot of determination, a lot of graft. They sort of know what they want. And um, I think I'm in the perfect place to, to as I said, develop and, and, and grow with them. It sounds like you've got an exciting year ahead of you. You touched on there that you are, of course, the first disabled driver in the British Touring Car Championship. Was motorsport something that you always wanted to get involved with despite your disability? Or obviously you grew up in the environment. So was that an interest that grew over time? Or was it something that you always had as a personal dream? From, from day one, obviously, um, I, was born, I was born into it through my connection with Lewis. And, you know, we, my dad knew nothing about motorsport 
he just had to figure out something to do with Lewis on a weekend. He started out um, RC car racing, remote control car racing. He was good at that. And then uh, decided to, to get him a go-kart um, after Lewis uh, had a go, I think in Ibiza or something when he was a kid, you know, at one of the beaches or something like that. And he, you know, all blown kart and he ended up being pretty good at it. And then it, it went from something that was just meant to be like a hobby for the family to to a potential career. You know, by the age of 10, Lewis was British champion and then signed by McLaren in, when he was 13. So so I was completely born into to the world of motorsport. And as, as, as long as I, or for as long as I can remember, I always wanted to drive. I just didn't think it would be possible. And my parents didn't think it would be possible. And even if it was, they still didn't want me to do it. So it was, um, yeah, a, a dream I've always had, but something that I never thought I'd be able to turn into reality. And you've spoken in the past about your journey into motorsport, and obviously you've had challenges actually being able to get there because of your disability. But from a mental perspective, what do you do to keep your head in the game, if we can call it that, and to make sure you're always focused on the goal and that you're not distracted by other people's doubts? It's a really, really good question. Um, so through through my my experiences, you know, I'm, I'm I don't know everything, so I'm not going to say that w- what um, what I say matters or or everybody's going to follow. But I see it as um, life being ten percent physical and ninety percent uh, mental. Um, apologies for that. Okay. So. It doesn't matter how talented you are. I believe that if you're not if you're not there mentally, you're you're not going to extract the most out of yourself. And obviously, I come from it or I come at it from a different direction, being being disabled. And I think a lot of my strength um, has come from my experience with overcoming my condition. It's it's not been an easy task. It's not been a normal process that able-bodied people usually take. You know, going from uh, you know being wheelchair bound and, and and bullied at school, you know, to being told you'd never walk and and amount to to nothing, to to then building the strength up to be able to walk unaided after um, a couple of operations, to to then try and do the usual things in life that able-bodied people sometimes take for granted, you know, and, and go to the park with your mates and 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 not be worried about falling over and hurting yourself and. All that sort of stuff. So it's that it's that experience where that was most of my challenge um, mentally was overcoming all of that you know journey or period. And as I've grown up, obviously I still struggle with my con- I, I don't necessarily struggle with my condition. It's just now it's just an inconvenience. It really frustrates me sometimes, you know. Um, but it mm-hmm. also makes me who I am today. If I didn't have it, I wouldn't be who who I am. Um, so I'm also proud to have it. So then taking that into to my motorsport, I never really had the, uh, the conditioning to learn my craft. I, I got thrown in at the deep end um, by my dad and went straight into the Clio Cup and, you know, all eyes on me and, and had a BBC documentary being filmed straight away. And so I, I could never um, make mistakes and it go unnoticed. And so I really struggled and, and do struggle today mentally when I'm racing my car because of the name I have on my back, who I am, who I'm related to, and and how everybody perceives me. And because I've, as I said before, been in and out of motorsport for so long, I haven't had the constant year on year on year of, you know, driving every year and developing and developing. I've been driving and then I'm out for a year or didn't finish this, didn't finish the season or whatever. So I haven't completely 
overcome my sport mentally where I feel like I've completely overcome my condition mentally. So mentality is, 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 a, is a massive thing. And although I'm pretty hardcore when it comes to, no one can sort of pull me off my center when it comes to my condition. When it comes to my motorsport, I'm a little bit more uh, sensitive mentally um, and under a lot more, more pressure. I think that that's a really important point because of course, a lot of people looking at motorsport and other practical industries think it's just down to talent. But of course the mental side actually plays a really huge part. The nature of motorsport is so grueling on a consistent basis. And as you mentioned there, even if you do have your mentality intact, there are external factors that can come in and throw you off. So you mentioned earlier the sponsorship aspect of it. Obviously sponsorship is a massive, massive issue. It's a massive obstruction to so many people who want to get into the sport. Could you tell us a bit more about how you actually went out and gained your sponsors and the route you took for that? Sure. So 2011 is when I started in Clio's and uh, my dad helped me with that through his contact with Miss, with McLaren at the time. And you'll see that my Clio Cup car in 2011 and 12 basically had all of the sponsors that were sponsoring Lewis and, and McLaren back in the day. And it wasn't until my dad turned around and said, you know, Nick, you know, it's, it's an expensive sport. If you want to continue doing it, um, you're going to have to, you know, go out on your own and, and do it yourself. And so I went from a a guy that had never turned a wheel before and just jumped into Clio Cup. I didn't know anything about um, sponsorship or trying to understand businesses or marketing. I knew nothing. And then all of a sudden, to continue my, my career, I had to almost learn to be a, a marketing director um, and a CEO and a racing driver all in one and get to understand from their point of view or their perspective why they would invest in me as an athlete. So it took me a long time and that's why I was in and out of motorsport all the way through because I, I couldn't couldn't get the structure that I needed to really get the help that I, that I needed from, from, from people. You know, I, I, tried, I tried management agencies um, where people, you know, promised me that they would get me sponsorship or help and it always turned into to practically nothing. And I then just learned that the best way is to pluck up my ideas, stay determined and do it myself. So it was after, it was after Clear Cup really where I, I'd, 2018, I'd secured a, a title sponsor in, in Jet, which is a petrol station. And um, that made me realize, ah, oh, I can actually do it. And I did that through my personal relationships and uh, sort of making myself annoying and sitting in front of uh, my laptop and, and sending out emails, but but also understanding my value as a as a person. And obviously, the the Hamilton name carries a lot of weight, but also in people's perceptions, it can also be a a, a con, like a, something that's quite difficult. Because if you if you're trying to um, ask someone to help you sponsorship wise. You know, they turn around and say, well, you've got a multimillionaire brother. Why don't you just, you know, get the money from him? And sometimes people don't even believe it's me when I'm trying to, to contact them. Um, so it can have its, its difficulties. So what did I do? I, all I did was continue to push through emails, through people that I met, through networking, and, and realized that creating personal relationships with people and actually just being honest um, goes a long way. But along, along the same, at the same time, you have to understand yourself as a as a brand, um, and try and develop yourself so that you are more valuable, and that you give better return on investment. And instead of people feeling sorry for you, 
they're actually being behind you because you are good for their business and you are good for for their brand. And I'm now getting to that that point. And that's why I've got the likes of Tim, who's on the call, who's now a part of my team. But you know, having that structure is something that I've I've always wanted. And you know, my brother almost had from not necessarily from day one, but he he always had that help, and I I never had it. So uh, it's been a long slog, and it will continue to be. But I'm starting to understand and learn more and more, and I've still got so much more to do. Um, but so far, so good. It definitely sounds like you've learned a lot. Like obviously, being a racing driver, you don't just need to be able to race well to drive well. You also need to have like the the full package. And gaining sponsorship and funding is is a massive part of that. Yeah. Definitely. But skipping back a little bit, let's talk about gaming and how that sort of, I guess, helped you into the into the world of racing and um, how that played such a pivotal part in getting yourself into a race car. Yeah, completely. Gaming was my, the, 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 it was everything. It was everything for my career. So I always, always played games, always motorsport games. Um, you know, once I got my love for, for motorsport, that's all I did. And I, I, back in the day, esports wasn't a thing. So I just did some research. I had a, a, a remote control that I was playing on, on my computer and a game came through the door, like a um, little demo. I put it in the computer and, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And the game was actually called GTR. And I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool. And I, I started to play it every day, every day. And, and then I upgraded and I got like a, a basic steering wheel. It cost me 20 pounds from, from, um, from PC World. And uh, yeah, I you know, put that on my desk. And then all I did every night after my homework was... was <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> Always. <laughs> Was, uh, was play was play this game, and I just continued to to get better and better and better. It made me understand just the basic techniques of of motorsport and braking, accelerating, and cornering and lines. And then I started to get more into engineering and understanding setup and what it does and and making notes. It was it was crazy, and it became my it became my world. And uh, because of my condition, I didn't have the I didn't have the the reactions in my feet to be able to and accelerate when exactly when I wanted so I learned how to um, accelerate and brake with my with my thumbs and the buttons on the steering wheel and because the steering wheel was so cheap the button would stick after a while <laughs> but luckily it was so cheap I went and bought like a load of them so <laughs> like people um, people you know they buy a new pair of shoes and they you know unwrap unwrap their shoes and they put it on and they go out for sometimes for some races, I was un- I was unwrapping a new steering wheel. You know? <laughs> it cost me twenty quid, but it was worth it. So I learned how to like modulate and everything, which you can't do on a button because it's either one hundred percent or or nothing. But I, I played it so much that I found a technique, which is all about my condition. Really, it's all about finding techniques of overcoming obstacles. Um, so it was almost second nature, and yeah, and then I became very very good at it. And it was it was that that then my brother. Uh, saw me, you know, racing online and all that sort of stuff. And he could never actually beat me on the game because I just did it so often. And he spent all day whilst I was at school trying to beat a lot of <laughs> around Monza or whatever. And then I came back within five minutes and beat his time. And, and all that sort of stuff sort of just gave me the, the confidence that if I got the opportunity to drive a car, I must, I should be able to do it, base it off of what I've learned. Um, and, and then, yeah, obviously I, I got that chance but then realized that although the basics are the same, um, you, nothing can really compare. There's so much, yeah. so much, so much to learn. 
Yeah. yeah. You talked a little bit about setup there. Um, talk us through the setup of your actual um, BTCC car and how that set up for your condition. Sure. So going back to the beginning of the call, when I said my condition has now become more of an inconvenience um, than, than something that upsets me, modifying my car is exactly one of them inconveniences. It's, uh, it's annoying because I can't just jump in to a car and drive it straight away and, and uh, almost go from team to team and, and just test test their car for a day. I can't do that. I have to get the whole thing modified. And throughout the years, I've just made that easier and easier and easier because I know what I need. And so in a nutshell, a normal race car, if you're not in Formula 1 car, that is, but a normal race car has three pedals, accelerator, braking, and clutch pedal. I actually have a, um, a hand clutch system which I bought when I was um, in Clio's. And um, I take that clutch system with me everywhere, every team, every car that I drive. Um, so I only have two pedals um, in the footwell. So brake and accelerator, but they are a lot bigger and sort of wider than usual, just so I've got more surface area to, to put my feet. And then I have a molded seat. Um, so I almost sort of fit like a glove and I don't move around because I was witnessing a lot of movement just generally. And that's it. But it's not really just that simple because I have to actually shake the car down and check that my legs are working correctly. And, you know, we, we went to the test last week, a two-day tyre test, and my seat mould was covered um, and ready to go. And the last time I was in the car for media day, it wasn't covered. It was just the bare material. But the, the material thickness of this new seat insert was like a millimeter and it affected the whole way my legs moved so I couldn't turn right when driving oh wow yeah yeah my knee would get in the way so it's just the way my legs work because I don't um I can't flex my ankles so it all comes through the, the thigh muscle so when I'm off throttle I have to basically hang my leg in the air and so when my leg is in the air it can get in the way of the steering um so on Friday I've got a new a new seat fit so it's just stuff like that's really frustrating, but um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the way that's the way I've learned to to drive my car. And if I if I didn't have my seat, if I didn't have my modifications, it would just be practically impossible. Those modifications are obviously amazing, and it's incredible that they're actually possible. And your story is very inspiring for everyone out there, whether they're disabled or not. But of course, there will be people listening who maybe do have disabilities and might feel like motorsports isn't an option as a result. What advice would you give them now that you're here and you're proving that it definitely can be done? Yeah, well, firstly, you got to almost look at yourself, where, where you're at in terms of uh, how you feel about yourself or, or your condition or your physical um, uh, strength or weaknesses. And you should always work on that because motorsport does not help people with disabilities. I'm going to just put that out there flat out. They don't, they don't help. And... It annoys me because, you know, motorsport is 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 run by um, able-bodied people that actually don't know what it's like to have a disability or whatever. So even though they're trying to make things easier for a disabled person, really it doesn't actually make sense and it doesn't really help. So as a disabled person trying to get into motorsport, for you to, first of all, um, be able to function properly i would say within the world of motorsport you've got to have a strong mindset and be positive in, in your condition so i would work on that initially um, and then secondly whether you're you feel that motorsport is not for you 
I would say that's 100% rubbish. And that motorsport is 100% for you because if you're strong enough to um, push yourself through your condition and improve yourself physically and mentally and be prepared to you know go through some trials and tribulations and some real difficulties then you'll you'll do just fine and you know not just physically driving a race car but there is a lot of opportunities out there to be a part of a a race team whether that's a formula one team or a british touring car team or even just a, a ford fiesta team or whatever it is um, every every um every person within a team is is so important and it's it's like it's basically a jigsaw and you know even down to a guy that washes your tires or wheels or whatever you would think that they're not important just because they they wash wheels but really without them the, the the puzzle just wouldn't work it wouldn't fit nothing would work so there's always a space and a place for for absolutely anybody um but especially if you're disabled you've got a lot more to attend to because it's it's just so so physical you've got to w- walk everywhere you know, in the rain and the steps and there's handrails to get to, to get around. There's not really any lifts. There's no ramps. Uh, as an as a industry, it's obviously open and you're more than welcome to do it. But, but as a disabled person, you've got to strengthen yourself before you take that step. I suppose what you've just touched on there very much lends itself to the inclusivity part of things. You know, you can tell people that motorsport is diverse and that everyone's welcome. But if when people actually get into the sport, you don't have anything in place to support them, then it's not actually that much of a welcome place. And it does give them more hurdles once they actually get their foot in the door. Obviously, as we've said, you've broken down a lot of barriers yourself and you've proven a lot of people wrong on the way. But I imagine that you've still probably experienced a lot of negativity in the process, some backlash, a lot of doubters. How do you how do you actually cope with that? How do you deal with these situations where people aren't necessarily as nice and welcoming as they should be very, very good question um so i'm i'm constantly i'm constantly learning you know throughout throughout my career and uh I, I always have doubters always have had doubters so having people now talk to me or send messages or whatever it is especially like through social media it doesn't bother me in the slightest and i practically never i don't really read them um and 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 for me it's um Sometimes can be a, a form of bullying. Sometimes it's sometimes it's not. It's just people's opinion. But I've I've sort of realised that as I've grown up now, I'm 28, and I've, I've I've been through bullying and and I've been through my career and I've got myself to to this point. You know, I know what I am and I know what I am not, and I know the 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 hard work that I've that I've put into to be in my position, regardless of whether I've got a six-time former world champion as a brother or whatever you know but there's a lot of people who don't realize how hard that actually is and uh and it's very easy to to make a, a judgment and that's what a lot of people within the sport do uh, especially british touring cars um and so you know i'm always i'm always up against it and i've always um i've always experienced you know some some hard comments and situations um and yeah that does actually sometimes or has done in the past uh, affect me when i'm in the car but with more experience you you start to to build a a barrier to it and uh as i said once you once you start to understand who you are and, and believe in yourself regardless then you know it just all goes over your head um and so i actually like 
a bit of negative criticism every now and then because it, it keeps me fired up. And, um, you know, when I get my first podium, it's going to make it even more sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and when, I, when I continue to, um, to develop as a driver, those people that, that doubted me initially um, will all of a sudden want to come and give me a high five. But the, but the thing is, you, um, you never really know who those people are because most of them are, uh, they like to hide behind computer screens or, or whatever and, and make their judgments without actually being in the life of that person. So when I'm when I'm at a uh, when I'm at a race and I'm doing a, a signing session and I've got 500 fans, you know, in the pit lane and, and waiting for my autograph, they're all going to come and give me a high five and say how inspirational I am. But you know, some of them are going to be the people that doubt me and that, that badmouth me. But I, I don't know the difference because they're, they're all standing in front of me. Um, so the the best way for me to to move forward is just to be to be indifferent, and it all goes back to to who you are as a brand and um, I can't be seen being a negative person within the public eye so some fans and quite a lot of fans actually they 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 almost see as like looking at me or coming over to me as a as a lifetime once in a lifetime opportunity so even though I might have had a a bad uh, session or I'm really angry or whatever I still have to have put on a brave face and and be positive uh, because first impressions are everything and they're always going to take home a negative thought if they said, oh, you know, I went to, to meet Nick Hamilton today and he completely fobbed me off. That's the first thing they're always going to remember about Nick Hamilton. And, uh, and to be fair, what I'm really, really proud of is that I don't think there's a, um, a person out there who thinks that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nightmare of, a, of an athlete or a driver. And whenever they've, they've spoken to me, I've always given them my time. But really, that's quite difficult to to keep up. You're not always going to be on your game, so you really have to think outside of the box sometimes. Um, but yeah, you can see I, I I've been I've been through it, and I'm still learning as as, as I go along. But throughout this um, period of time, these last two years especially, I'm, I'm now starting to be a bit more open about my story, not just my condition, but what I'm going through now and trying to get fans or people that are a fan of the sport or fan of me or whatever to, to understand uh, me a bit more and, and not just make a judgment of when they see me drive past in a race car, you know, when they see me up against Colin Turkington and, and, and Andy Jordan and all these top guys, just think of where I've come from to actually get there and uh, how hard it, had it, how hard it mm. actually is. Definitely. You've, you've absolutely overcome, you know, a lot of adversity from, from the day dot really from the day you were born up to now, but talk to us a bit more about, um, what your greatest achievement I guess is or has been, because I think that would be really interesting to hear whether that's achieving your seat, uh, as a full-time BTCC, um, driver or whether it's something completely different. I think that'd be really interesting to hear. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an interesting guy because, <laughs> I I don't um, I don't need anybody to blow smoke for me. I don't need anybody to to pat me on the back. I'm pretty I'm pretty tough on myself, and and I I know when I've done a good job or when I haven't, or or what I'm proud of and what I'm not proud of. And sometimes I can be over the top and be be super hard on myself, which actually affects my um, progress moving forward. Um, and a lot of people that have worked with me in the past will, will, will say that, you know, he's just so, so hard on himself. Um, so in terms of my, my, 
my uh, greatest achievement, 100% it's got to be, uh, you know, overcoming my, my condition. I, right now, sitting here, I don't see it as a big deal. Um, and I never have seen it as a big deal because I, I only had one option and that was, you know, well, I had two options. It was, you know, do nothing and, and, and be lazy and stay in the same position and stay as, as a wheelchair user and, and get, continue to get bullied and, and look down upon and all that sort of stuff or, or get up and focus on overcoming the condition. And this is why when you're talking about disabled people coming into motorsport, my target wasn't going into motorsport. My target was just overcoming my condition. And then that allowed me to go into motorsport as an industry. Um, so I got up and focused hard on how to overcome it. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely got to be my biggest, biggest, biggest achievement. Um, but yeah, and now one that I, I just, I, I just throw it over my shoulder. It doesn't mean anything to me because I ha it had to be done. And then within motorsport, you know, what really upsets me is, you know, all these doubters that, you know, they, they, you know, saying, no, I don't, maybe don't do a good job or I'm not this or I'm not that. You know, a lot of, a lot of what they say resonates with me. And I, I, sometimes I agree um, to the point where I haven't achieved what I want to achieve in motorsport at the moment. And I know that's not because of my, my lack of natural ability, because I believe I have it. And I know I, I sort of have it. I've, I've, I've proven myself to myself uh, multiple times. It's just a lot of, a lot of the time, it's just lack of experience. And, and as I said, the, the ability to do year on year on year of racing. And so, you know, I, I'm always hard on myself being like, yeah, I'm proud of overcoming my condition, but I haven't achieved what I want to achieve in motorsport. And it's, the, it's that desire to, to, you know, get to the top 10 within British touring cars and then get to the top five within British touring cars and then get to the podium in British touring cars. That is my, that is my goal. That is my target. And I know I can achieve it if I continue to, to, to push forward. But for me to be able to continue that, you know, I need funding and I need people to sponsor me to, to allow that to happen. And hopefully through my experience and my, my story and, and me getting further up the grid in touring cars will just cement my story more and more as time goes on. Because I, I, I want to get to a point where I, I, you know, get on that podium and I won't actually be able to get up there, um, you know, because I don't have the, the balance or my leg doesn't lift high enough to get there or whatever. But that's such a cool story in itself to, to maybe ask P2 to actually give me a hand up. Yeah. And, uh, and I know it's possible because I've, I've seen it. I've been, I've been in the top 10 in touring cars and, and I've been seeing like P3 is literally there. Obviously, I've got to over, over, overtake quite a few people to get there, but I know it's there. And to, to be running in the top 10, top 15 in touring cars, is super super tough because you could be up against Plato or or Matt Neal or whatever because the the championship's so tight. Um, so I know to even be running where I've been running in the past with the with the uh, lack of experience I have proves to me that I have the the ability. Um, I just don't have the experience and the time. So that's why I'm working so hard behind the scenes to uh, continue to give myself that opportunity um, because no one else will. So if I, if I, if I want to continue it, um, I've got to keep working and pushing. And to do that is, is by making sure my, my sponsors are happy, that I'm a valuable entity, a valuable brand, and that uh, I do everything in the right way. 
you've definitely got that uh, determination to succeed. I mean, the way you speak about, uh, you know, being in P10, but seeing that you can see P3, you've got that clear vision of, of what goals you want to achieve as well, which I think is really great. And I think it's it's important to have that positive mindset. Otherwise, you know, you're never going to get anywhere, no matter who you are. Like if you don't have your goals set, set clear, then um, it's, it's always going to be difficult to achieve them. But what what would you say is your your long term goal? Is is it to stay within British touring cars, or do you look further afield than that? Uh, no, I, I to be fair, I I would love to continue touring cars until I physically can't do it anymore. Now the likes of of Matt Neal and Jason Plato have, have proven that you know even at their um, their age they're able to compete at, at a high level, and so that that gives me more longevity in my career. Um, uh, and so, so if I, if I, as I said, if I continue to build myself, um, as a driver and as an, as an all rounder, you know, you see me in touring cars for a, a long period of time and, and I would love to, to do, you know, they say it takes, you know, three to four years of, of, um, constant or continuous years in touring cars to actually get a hold of it. And so jumping in and out is really, really difficult. And so hopefully uh, if I pluck up my ideas and, and, and get get everything my way, um, which never happens in life, but um, if I try, if I get you know things things my way, then as I said, I, I want to be in the championship for as, as long as I can, um, as I can physically drive. I wanted to go back to what you were just saying about being really hard on yourself to keep the fire alive and to keep yourself motivated, yeah. but then also not being too hard on yourself because then it's detrimental. And I suppose that's something a lot of people will struggle with, especially those who come from underrepresented groups because the obstacles that they are facing can be magnified. And like you said, the various different organizations or series are usually headed up by people who aren't from underrepresented groups. So the framework isn't set up to support or give that extra bit of help that may be needed if you are from an underrepresented group. So from your perspective, what, what sort of things would you like to see put in place, whether it's initiatives or programs that could help people like yourself and others that might be females, ethnic minorities, whatever it might be, to help drive diversity within motorsport and within British Touring Car? Um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, so, so firstly, even though you, know, you, you, look at, you look at the Hamilton family, you look at the Hamilton name, and uh, we are... Uh, now a household name we're now a household name um initially it was who do you want to be i want to be the next michael schumacher now it's i want to be the next lewis hamilton and um or if you're into motorsport that is and um and although with this this household name and we're at the moment the biggest name within motorsport we're not always heard and um and that's really sort of worrying because if us as a family, or even me, I would say I'm just actually speaking from my experience. If I don't feel like I'm heard, um, I'm, a, I'm a disabled racing driver um, competing against everybody, people. So basically, a, a Paralympian in the Olympics, and and I have a surname of Hamilton, but yet I'm still not feeling like I'm. People are understanding, or, or the the governing bodies are actually listening to what I'm saying. Then I'm nervous for the future. Um, because I feel like what I have, what I'm already doing, I, I have a lot of. Cl- I should have enough clout for for them to to sit and listen. So, so as I said about um, disability within motorsport, you know, it's really 
it's really tough and it frustrates the hell out of me because, you know, the likes of Toka, for example, you know, they, they, they try and help and they, um, they give me a, they give me a, a car pass that allows me to, to take my car in to the paddock, for example, but it's only 15 minutes. So it's, it's only for 15 minutes and then I have to take my car out. Right. But then I've seen other drivers, and I'm not going to say any names, but I've seen other drivers and they're able to park their car basically next to their team because of who they are. Right. And, and, and physically, they don't need help getting, getting to these places, but I do. But they, they, won't, they, won't make any, they won't make any changes for me. So I still either have to get somebody to bring all of my race, simple stuff like race kit. I've got to bring all my race kit, my bags, everything, and I've still got to walk to the team or whatever it is, you know, and I've been driving my car all day. It's three, there's three races in a touring car day, plus you've got your signing sessions, plus you've got all your de- debriefs and all the people that want your picture and all your time, but then I've got to walk to my car at the end of the day, which is miles away. <laughs> yeah, so for me, that's a big, 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 big deal. And, and so, as I said, like, me trying to get more easy access into motorsport I struggle with and so I want I want um I would love to sit on the board in uh, motorsport UK and actually have the guys that look after the disabled people within motorsport to actually be a disabled person and to 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 sit and say no 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 that idea wouldn't work and say oh why why wouldn't it work oh well because of this and and not every condition can do this and not every person can do this so so there's not always going to be an answer to everything, but, you know, at least it, it, it allows disabled people to feel welcomed and that, you know, they understand, even though it's, it's, they understand it's difficult, that the, that the, the board, they, they understand their condition and that, you know, getting a wheelchair from here to here is not going to be simple or whatever. Because some, a lot of situations I've been in, they think because they've got a blue badge holder or a disabled bay, that that's helpful, but sometimes it isn't. Um, and most of the time it actually isn't because it's still as far, it's still far to walk. And, you know, you, you get the guys on the gate that don't let you in because you say I'm disabled, but they're not really bothered because all they want to do is do their job. And, um, you know, you end up having to be quite aggressive, but when you're aggressive, you're, you're Nick Hamilton and they'll all think, think that you're being aggressive to them. Um, and, and that's the, the, uh, the mindset or, or the first impression they have of you. So it's really difficult. So that's just the disabled side or the disability side of it. And then, um, you know, inclusion and bringing in more black people or um, people from, from ethnic backgrounds and, and uh, you know, giving more opportunities to people like that is a, is a completely different story. And so I think, as I say, I don't feel like I'm, a, I'm heard as a person with, with a disability in motorsport. Um, my brother now 100% is, is, you know, a black athlete um, who is being heard in motorsport, which is, which is great. And I think it's a fantastic uh, achievement that he's making. So I think the, the legacy Lewis is going to leave is, is going to be fantastic. I don't necessarily uh, I want um, race teams in, in motorsport generally to think, ah, well, we now need to be seen to have been uh, including people of, Where's where's the next black guy that we can that we can uh, employ? I'm the only black guy in my race team in my team at Team Hard, but it would annoy me if Tony Gillen all of a sudden all of a sudden decided to just 
get another black guy in because he wanted to almost feel a part of it. Because for me, I've never been a charity. I mean, we're not trying to tell to feel sorry for us. We're just trying to be honest and be real with people and say, look, you know, you go down the paddock of, you know, of, of pretty much every race category and all you see is, 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 is white people and, and, a, and a black person, a token black person. It's almost like, where's Wally? Yeah, I think um, the bodies higher up, they need to look at, at the paddock um, and, you know, the workforces, the workforces that surround all of these different racing categories and, and actually question why the majority are just white males because there's a reason for that. And, and that reason is because there are barriers for underrepresented groups. So they're not being able to um, come up through the ranks, whether that's as a racing driver or whether that's in the marketing teams, hospitality, engineering roles, um, sort of across the board, across of all of those roles. It's it's not apparent that people from minority ethnic groups or um, who have conditions such as yours, they're not being represented. So definitely, I think... Um, the bodies higher up need to need to question why that is and sort of implement, um, I guess, strategies or or programs to um, change that for for the future. Um, what would you like to see? Would you do you think uh, mentorships are important? Uh, internships and scholarships and things like that would they would they help? Oh, um, from from disability or from from inclusion of, of of black people or yeah across the board for for all um kind of underrepresented groups oh for sure um yeah i i think it would be important for almost motorsport to to give a helping hand and to 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 almost just say look take my hand and we'll we'll show you the world almost and we'll we'll show you our industry and we'll help you and whether that is through internships or or, um, or scholarships or, or whatever it is. It's got to start with education um, through, uh, you know, the governing bodies actually, you know, really understanding the, the underlying issue. And, uh, and really, it's only this, this podcast that I've started to actually see or speak about disability as well, because disability is a massive thing. There's a load of disabled people out there, uh, you know, black, white, Asian, whatever it is. and um, they love motorsport or Formula One or touring cars, um, but they can't get anywhere near a racetrack because it's so inaccessible. And so there's so much that needs to be done um, just by generally opening people's eyes, um, for, you know, for people higher up uh, and, and, and almost getting them to, to hear people that are, that are, are experiencing motorsport on a daily basis um, you know, whether that's just getting into the circuit or, or you know, being a mechanic or, or whatever it is, they, they really need to learn and understand these uh, different people's stories. And they've got a really tough job on their hands, but I want to see them at least try. And the, the, the thing is, is that the people above us, you know, of these governing bodies, they've, ne they've never been in our situation. They've, even the people in the governing bodies, they, they, they come from privileged backgrounds. So they, 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 they've never... Not always, you know. I'm sure there's some of them that have had to 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 go from the ground up. A majority of uh, uh, individuals that come from privileged backgrounds, so they've never really had to understand what it's like, almost to be at rock bottom in terms of how you're perceived as an individual, and then get to the top. And so, so yeah, I mean, whatever it takes, I would say, you know, I'm I, I would love them to just throw out a load of ideas, and um, 
it would shock a lot of people and and allow motorsport generally to to come in the forefront of a lot of people's minds because I think as an industry we we struggle because it's it's not like going to to a football match or or wanting to play football you can just pick up a football from your local shop or sports shop by a pound and kick it around so, uh, to to start racing you've got to you got to go to a a corporate karting center and you know, it's fifty pound a time. Now, there's not going to be many um, people that that have that sort of money to just spend on a um, on half an hour of karting. It's like fifty quid for half yeah, an hour. Yeah, it's a lot, especially for say like an eight year old. <laughs> yeah, so already that, that shuts off the opportunity of motorsport, and it 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 just becomes a, a privileged sport, um, and um, and so it needs to start from the from the ground up, um, and and so hopefully, you know, Lewis and his changes that he's making, you know, will, will help will help with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, after speaking to you uh, tonight, you know, I would love the opportunity to to sit down with Motorsport UK and 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 try and help the disability side of it, you know, um, because I'm a, I'm a really strong individual a real strong character and although i don't have all of the answers um i feel like i could do a lot to, to help a lot of people i think that would be really beneficial as you've said you're putting yourself forward to drive change from the disability front you've got lewis who is being very vocal within formula one as well about race issues but there is the aspect of it that it shouldn't necessarily fall on the shoulders of those from the underrepresented groups to change things it should come from everyone. It shouldn't be us that have to drive the change. Everyone should be concerned with it because diversity is something that affects everyone and can benefit everyone. So what do you think motorsport can do as a whole? Fans, people who, like you said, might be in the roles that aren't visible on the TV screens. What change needs to come through motorsport as a whole to help drive that inclusive environment? As I said, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but I, I think, uh, firstly, it's got to be um, people open to, to understanding other people's situations or lives because as i've said uh, at the start of this people are very quick to judge or be very judgmental on on how they they or how they perceive a certain person and um when you when you're quick to judge and you actually don't know any facts or anything about this certain person that already shuts off the opportunity of, of working with that person if they're ever in if they're ever going through a, a difficult time or or, or whatever so Within motorsport, with, with passionate fans, you know, they have to have a more understanding of, of what it's like to be in a paddock or to be a driver or to be a mechanic um, or to be an engineer and, and to always help with, with the proceedings of things. Because fans are very, very important to us, but they can also be very detrimental to what we do because they can shout things, they can, they can throw things, they can be very negative and already that doesn't look good for motorsport as a whole. So that's just the fan side. But then I think more teamwork needs to be put in place where you know teams actually work together to continue to build team morale. And that although, I mean, motorsport is a very selfish sport for a start because although you want to help, you're trying to help your, your teammate, you want to beat him. Whereas in football, you don't necessarily want to beat you don't want to beat your teammate because he's he's a part he's a part of a part of you. If, 
he passed the ball to him, you want him to be on top of his game and and to to do the rest of the job for you. Whereas we're trying to come together as a team, but then trying to beat each other on the circuit. So it, it, it's just the nature of our sport. So it's going to be quite difficult to to try and get more uh, understanding from everybody. But it has to it has to come from the teams, the fans, and then the governing bodies generally. And it's all for me. It's all about understanding others' perspectives because once you see someone and you see it from their side, hopefully it will change their their mentality and their mindset of actually giving them a helping hand. Um, and you know, it's all about picking people up when when they feel like there's no no hope for them. Um, and there's a lot of people outside of motorsport that want to get into the sport that feel that there's just no hope for them. And, and that's all because it's just, it's just shut off. You know, it's like, okay, well, do you want to come and be a part of our team? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's going to cost you this amount of money or it's going to, um, you know, you've got to have this certain skill set or this certain mindset or whatever it is. And it already just shuts a lot of people off. So I think it's all about trying to include everybody and, and allow them to be, to be welcome. And then you never know, you're going to, you're going to find like a, a diamond in the rough. Always. It always happens. That was a really frank conversation there from Nick Hamilton, you know, opening up on the harsh realities of being a disabled athlete in motorsport. It, it can't be easy. Definitely not. But it was brilliant how much he emphasised the importance of a positive mindset. And, you know, no one else is going to do it for you. And he's proven that with all the barriers that he's broken down in spite of his disability. Absolutely. And he's proven a lot of people wrong along the way. I am really glad, though, that he highlighted his struggles with sponsorship and finding the funding for a seat because, unfortunately, it is a genuine reality for any racing driver. So I think many aspiring drivers listening will be able to relate here. And I think it's great advice as well about understanding yourself as a brand that he gave and and knowing exactly what it is that you can bring to the table yourself for any potential partners or sponsors. Absolutely, Steph. Knowing your own self-worth and your own talent, it's essential. Nick has overcome so much adversity and how incredible would it be to see him on the podium in the future? Yeah, that would be amazing to see. Well, we wish him the best of luck for the season ahead with round one kicking off this weekend at Donington. That's all from us today, but if you want to keep up to date with how Nick's getting on in the BTCC this season, you can catch him on Instagram at Nicholas Hamilton. You can also follow us on Instagram at We Are Driven by Diversity. Thank you again to Nick for joining us and thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>